Welcome to Eye of the Swarm, your deep dive into anything and everything related to Yellow Jacket Athletics with our engineer, Elliot Sweary, the big sound, Matt Johnson. I am John Garver, and uh, welcome back. I, I can't even say this week's episode of Eye of the Swarm no. because it's been a while between like... COVID and holidays and studio issues and pretty much anything you can come up right. with. We, uh, we kind of got derailed here in the 21-22 year. We did. I, I kind of, I'm not quite sure why I'm here. You know, it's kind of like, it feels like. Well, you're here yeah, to. Yeah, we do a podcast. But yeah, at the give same me, time, give me the like, report. When, when we set this particular podcast up, I was kind of like, hmm, podcast. Yes. <laughs> like. Yes. It, it, there's it's, a thing. It's, it still happens. You know, yeah, it's it still, still happens. It's almost like, wow, it kind of went away. And then I remember you and I sat in your office and we said, we should really probably come back, huh? And, uh. Yeah, here we are. We're now back, but it feels kind of weird to be back at a certain point because for a while there, we were sort of like you said, we were on an extended hiatus there for a bit. And, you know, uh, it just everything happened. It was kind of a perfect storm with yeah, yeah. Well, we both been ridiculously and, busy, and then the so, you know, yeah. people are busy and the resurgence of the pandemic, obviously. And, yep, yep. You know, having to take that into account and it all kind of factored in. So, yeah, uh, a, yeah. A apologies to everyone who's been waiting on our next our loyal listener or listeners. <laughs> yeah, exactly. However many there might be, but uh, yeah, uh, apologies to those of you who've been waiting for a while. But we're back now, at least for this week. No, hopefully we can. You know, now that uh, things have settled a little bit, hopefully we can continue to keep this rolling a little bit right yeah i just wanted to check in and see how you're doing after uh the long road trip because you know me i we've told the story before on my end about the trip to whitewater for the playoffs and coming back and doing three hockey games with you or at amsoil arena you're kind of doing that same thing right now i feel like like you're, you're kind of on that same trajectory right now as we do this podcast on a thursday after a wednesday hockey game five hours away four and a half five hours away <laughs> last night so I just want to see how you're doing. Honestly, Are you okay? Right now, it's not that bad. Okay. It's really not that bad. You know, I we, we got in probably about 2.15. Oh, that's um, not too bad. No, it was about 2.15, and I think it was probably close to 3 when my head hit the pillow. Okay. And, uh, you know, my, my almost 3-year-old started making a little bit of noise right around, you know, between 5.30 and 6. Okay. And so, you know, it was... Not really asleep, but more of a power nap. Okay. And, uh, you know, it's, well, I had to get up anyway because right. it's, it's, it just, again, perfect storm. You know, it's been a fairly busy week, even though, not in terms of games, but, right. uh, you know, we, we have jobs. And it's it's been a fairly busy week that way. And I looked at the calendar yesterday on the way home and I went, oh, my God, I have a 9 o'clock, a 10 o'clock, a noon, a 1, a 2, and a 3. <laughs> Yeah, that's plenty of meetings for so one So it's a day. busy day, and, you know, my, my son wasn't feeling well, so he wasn't in daycare the last couple of days, and I'm going, my wife took Tuesday, my wife took Wednesday. If he right. has to stay home, I have to stay home with him. This is a lot of stuff to have to move right. around. Yeah. And in my mind, I'm going, well, I hope the big sound can have, handle the podcast solo because if I, <laughs> if I got to stay home, either A, I'm not going to be there, or B, I'm going to be chasing a three-year-old around the studio. Oh, that'd be so, fun. You know, that we, not, we just add Teddy into the whole thing. You know, thing, so yeah. when I when I woke up this morning and, and he was, uh, I think, fully recovered, the batteries fully charged, and he was like a human Super Bowl bouncing around the right. house. So all was good. He's back at his work, as he calls okay. it. And, uh, you know, sun came up. It's just another day. Right. There you go. Well, you know, if we had to, if, if I had to, if I would have had to have done it, I suppose I could have. 
figured out a way to do it. Yeah, I mean, you and I are you'd have been fine. You'd have been fine. Exactly. Just would have been a little bit shorter because there's not enough, not a lot of banter. But right, we would have got it. Would have been fine. But uh, yeah, long bus trip. Yeah, Um, you know, crazy couple weeks coming up here for multiple winter sports teams because the. You know, COVID's definitely had an impact on on schedules across yes, the board, and uh, you know that's hence the reason we were playing a a Wednesday night game, right? In and Stevens what's more Point. to come, by the way, in your end of things, yeah, that's yeah, we got another one in Stevens Point next Wednesday. But uh, what you know, what I'm dealing with there, and what uh, the men's hockey team is dealing with, with just having to reschedule a couple of games. Doesn't even come close to what the women's <laughs> hockey team is going to be going through over the course of February. Yeah, so. yeah. I just was looking at that a little bit yesterday, and we'll t- touch more on that in the yeah. segment. But wow, yeah, it's going to be really busy for them. Yeah, because they, uh, they're they're going to try to get every single one of these games that they've missed back in. And I think he my count was uh, eleven games beginning on February first right, when yeah, they yeah. played at Gustavus. They're just their second game in 52 days. Right, yeah. You know, so over seven weeks, they'd only played one game. Yeah. Um, well, they were getting they were getting pretty antsy. I mean, I, I had a well, of course they are. talking to them. And of course they are. I mean, it was, it's, it's They weren't like, quite sure how this was going to play it's out. It's like they have an off-season in-season, basically. I mean, yeah. seven weeks, it's almost two months. They yeah. had one game in there, so of course they are. Yeah, I've seen them in a lot of the men's games, and, uh, yeah, they're just kind of itching to get back out there. It's, it's a bizarro situation. No team has been hit harder than they have been. So no, by a long shot. By no, the way. it's not even close. Yeah, I mean, uh, men's hockey's had a few things. Uh, women's basketball's had a few things. Even men's basketball's had a couple of things, but nothing like women's hockey. Women's no. hockey, everything got just basically put off. Yeah, for the for, month of January. Yeah, and they had it, one game in January. Yeah, and so it was it was sort of a nightmare. And like I said, we'll talk more about that as we go. But yep, uh, should we jump right? Let's into dive this? into it. Why All not? Right. Yeah, no problem. So we'll start out with women's basketball. They're at five and twelve now overall, four and four in the UMAC. They've won their last two, so that's good. Both wins coming against not the, close. No, neither game was close. Um, both games against Northland, one seventy four fifty two. So this is going back more than a week. This is eight days ago because they played uh, at Northland. And by the way, that was a game that was also rescheduled due to COVID nineteen uh, uh, postponement. So um, that game was played down at Kennedy Center, and they ended up, I think, uh, playing. All 15 players that uh, made the trip that night, 11 players scored in that game. And then in the rematch uh, that took place like three days later over at the Mertz, it was a game that I did on 91.3, uh, UWS uh, swept the uh, Yellow Jackets, or sorry, the Lumberjills for the season. 82-45, that game was played at the Mertz on Saturday. UWS led 31-13 after one, 52-27 at halftime. And it was 8-0 when yeah. the game was like, 75 seconds old it, it was, was already yeah eight it was nothing. literally it was unbelievable yeah eight points in the first uh minute and 15 seconds or so just yep. a lot of steals and layups um and they were up 71 35 after three uh uws played 19 players 14 different players scored three players scored in double figures all of them had 10 points at least Bessonen, ali zimmer and kaya davies but it was good for the yellow jackets to get off and uh, get a couple of wins under their belt they had had kind of a rough stretch there yeah they, they needed been able it. to win any games really for a bit and then on top of that, they were shorthanded for quite a few of those trips yep. as well. So, um, yeah, it was good to get a victory under their belts, a couple of victories, and uh, set themselves up for hopefully what will be a good weekend. Uh, we'll talk more about that, of course, in the last segment. Mm-hmm. Men's Hoops split two games last week. They uh, fell to Northland College 84-83 in overtime. That was a game that I think a lot of folks will feel like they let get away. Um, oh, I think you could ask every guy on that yeah. roster, and they'd say that when you're up 10 in halftime like that, you should not 
Yeah, that should yeah. not get away from. Yeah, that. and then they ended up so they ended up with a split with Northland uh, on the men's side for the season after they beat the uh, Lumberjacks eighty five sixty four in their first meeting. But eighty four eighty three, they fall to Northland in overtime at the Merch on Saturday before snapping a two game losing streak by defeating Minnesota Morris eighty to sixty four on Monday at the Merch. I wasn't there for that game. They played well. Yeah, it was it was, they, they, it was a nice game. It, they needed it. Yep. You know they, they needed absolutely to well. needed a game like that, and you yeah. know they it it, they, it never felt like that game was out of control. Okay. You know, because they they basically led from start to finish. Okay. And there was, uh, I want to say, where were they at? Up eight at the half? They were up five at the half. Five at the half. Yeah. And then all of a sudden it it ended up being tied, I want to say, like 55, 55, or 57, 57. Right. And uh, it tied very quickly. It was it was very similar to the Northland game. Okay. Where second half started, Morris came out, boom, boom, boom. Next thing you know, the game is tied. But there wasn't the... The panic, right, yeah. from that point, and they hit a couple threes right after that, right, yeah, and got that lead back, and then were able to just Can't settle in and, from there, settle in yeah. and put it away. Against Northland, UWS took a 43-33 lead at half, and it looked like they were going to kind of take uh, care of business for the most part. I mean, they played a very good first half. Um, you know, moved the ball well, shot the ball well, were able to get inside. Xavier Patterson had a huge game. We'll talk more about that in a second. But second half, uh, Northland able to turn the tables on the Yellow Jackets. They outscored UWS 39-29 in the second half. Sent the game into overtime, even at 72 apiece. Northland off the tip in overtime, scored the first five points. And then from there, the Yellow Jackets were play, kind of playing catch-up. UWS had a chance to win at the last second, but a turnover by the Yellow Jackets as they came across half court. Trying to get the game-winning shot set up uh, ended up uh, costing them the game, and they ended up losing at 84-83 in that contest. UWS was led by Xavier Patterson, again, who we talked about. He's had a couple of nice games here in the last few weeks. Uh, 25 points for him against Northland. He was 10 for 14 from the field and 5 for 8 from three-point range. Eli Vogel had 15, while Mason Ackley had 14 points for UWS as well. Against Morris, we were just talking about the game um, that they played on Monday. That was a rescheduled game as well, by the way, another COVID-19 postponement. That's why it was played on a Monday evening instead of on a Saturday or, or Friday, Friday or Saturday. UWS led 36-31 at the break before outscoring the Cougars 44-33 in the second half. Eli Vogel again scored 15 points. He was 4-8 for eight from the field, 3-7 out of seven from long range. Joy Barker had a start and had 14 points. Avery Patterson finished with 13 points, so... Nice bounce back for the Yellow Jackets. They needed it. Yep. Um, like I said, they were scuffling a bit. Had come off of a really, really tough loss against Crown. Uh, then uh, dropped the overtime game in Northland, and it was kind of like, eh, we're not quite sure what's really going on. We'll see wh- where they're at. Uh, and then that game against Morris, though, was a nice bounce back. So we'll see if they can set themselves up for a little run here down the stretch. Women's hockey, as we talked about, 6-6-1 six, six now overall, 1-2 in the WIAC. They fell to Gustavus. On Tuesday, three to nothing at Don Roberts Ice Rink in St. Peter. That was the first game the Yellow Jackets had played since January 11th at Mars Lake Arena against St. Scholastica. One nothing to win there. In between that time, the Yellow Jackets and prior had, to that they hadn't played since December 11th. Yeah, so the Yellow Jackets had 11 games either canceled or postponed between January 7th and the 25th. So over an 18-day stretch, the Yellow Jackets had 11 games either postponed or canceled due to COVID-19. So it's been a wacky, long. I series feel horrible of for time those of not playing a lot of hockey yeah. for Coach Dan Laughlin and the L Jackets. It's been just a, a rough ride. Yeah, it, it has been, and uh, you know, you because you're going in and out of protocols, you you don't have your full teams at times. Right. You yep. know, so it's not like you're getting quality practices in with everybody, even though you're not playing games. And so there's there's a rust factor there, yep. and you've you're coming back against a team that is ranked sixth in the country, a team that has been playing. And you've right. had one game in seven and a half weeks. Right. 
you know, so that's a, that's a tough way to be reintroduced. It is. And it's setting up what will be a racehorse into the season for them. It's going to be a rugged February schedule. Definitely going to be rugged. And we'll talk more about that later on. Mackenzie Whalen, by the way, in that Las Vegas Davis, 28 saves for the Yellow Jackets in that game. Men's hockey now 12, six and two overall, five, three and one in the WIAC. They filled number 11 ranked UW Stevens point eight to three last night at KB Willard arena in Stevens point. We're talking about, of course, on a Wednesday night, game this is a podcast that we're recording on a thursday so quick turnaround for you day trip for the yellow jackets levi cudmore scored two goals for uws while connor mcclain also scored for the yellow jackets good to see him back in the lineup by the way um but otherwise a really tough night for uws it sounded like it i listened to you on the radio and it did not sound like things were going well at all well no <laughs> I, I, I got done working at the store, and I was listening on the way back, and uh, you said, well, that's five goals in the period. And I thought, okay. Well, yeah, that, they that's... had a five-goal second period, and the second period has been a good, the best period of the year for the Yellow Jackets pretty consistently, and they, they gave up five. that night. You know, and it was yeah. – I, I think at one point last night I had said, Stevens Point played very well. Yeah, they did. They that's played like. very, very well. Superior did not play well. We absolutely did not play well. I, I felt like it, it was a night where every point went Stevens' points way. Right. You know, goalie makes a save and the rebound was right on somebody's tape with a wide open net. Right, yeah. Part of that is good luck, part of it's bad luck for us, but also part of it is they were working extremely hard and they created those opportunities for themselves. Right, yeah. You know, um, you, you had a feeling it was going to be that way when 14 seconds in, they score on the first shot of the game. Oh, yeah. yeah. You that's know, a, yeah, well, so I, that that was a problem. And it's not like they came out just flat from the start, basically. They absolutely the they were you, flat. They got yeah. outshot 17-4 to four yeah. in the first period. Yeah. Um, part of that was due to power plays. They uh, six minutes into the game, Gavin Rasmussen takes a five-minute major, gets a game misconduct on the same play. They took another penalty, so that's a full two minutes of five on three. Right, and then three more minutes of power play. The PK did the job on that one. Right, yeah. Um, later in the game, they take two penalties on the same play. Okay. So there's another five on three. Right. Yeah. And Stevens Point scored on that one. Okay. But you you know, the the first goal comes fourteen seconds in. That was uh you know, a shot that goes between Miles' legs. Oh because right, he doesn't yeah. have his stick down on the oh, ice. Right. And, you yeah, know, it's a so, five yeah. yeah. Second one was a rebound. Okay. The third one was a rebound. Okay. The fourth one was an odd man rush. The fifth one banked enough a goalie from below the goal line. Right. Yeah, I heard about that. The one. the sixth one, I'd have to go back and look, I don't remember. The seventh one was a rebound. The okay. eighth one was a rebound. Right. Yeah. So they weren't. They were. They were getting second chance opportunities, and they were always in position. Right. A little bit of puck luck there, but they were always in position. Right. They. Well, and they they played a whale of game last. There time. is a sentiment also goes along. You create your own luck. Yep. And uh, that's kind of you know. And on, I'll did. be honest. Yeah. I think part of it too, and people may agree. They may choose to disagree, and that's fine. Stevens Point had a long memory. They did not forget what happened on that ice on March 12, 2021. Yeah. And I, were, I thought about that. They too. remembered seeing this team in the black sweaters celebrating a conference championship on their ice, and they let them know last night. They took it personally. Yeah. Yeah. And they, they absolutely did. And yep. they remembered it. Right. Yeah. And they rem- remembered it with an exclamation point. Yeah. I, w- I would say so. You uh, know, so one of those learn from it. But flush it because you play again in, you right. know, 48 hours. Right, yeah. 
Miles Hector, by the way, got the start in that game for the Yellow Jackets. He played the first 24 minutes and 13 seconds, making 15 saves before being relieved by Landon Pavlison, who played the final 35-47 and also made 15 saves. It was just a night where everything that could go wrong did go wrong. Yep. You know, and that was kind of the way that I looked at the men's basketball game against Crown a couple weeks back. Yep. Everything that could go wrong did go wrong, and you, like you said, you flush it. And then yeah, you, it's you all in how on. you come back because you, you have to have a short memory on that because right. you are in a very pivotal stretch right now. I mean, right. you've got five games left in the regular season, four of them count in the conference standings because of that insane rule that the WIAC put in place coming into the year. So four of them count in the conference standings, and you, you, can, you can win 12 more points. You have to win 12 more points. Right. Yeah. So forget about it, move on, and play your best games. Yep, exactly. Like you said, short memory because mm-hmm. there's a lot coming up yet. Yep. Last but not least, men's and women's indoor track and field. Both teams competed at the Warren Bolas Open, hosted by UW Stout at Johnson Fieldhouse in Menominee last Friday and Saturday. The men had 11 individuals placed in the top 10 for, of events for the weekend, led by Gage Stankowitz. Placed fourth in the shot put with a distance of 14.9 meters, while Derek Moe finished fifth in the 3,000 meters with a time of 8 minutes, 49.51 seconds. Meanwhile, the women had eight individuals play a post-personal best, led by Kasha Hewlett, who placed fourth in the weight throw with a distance of 14.75 meters. As a result of those performances, Derek Moe was named UMAC Men's Track Athlete of the Week. So congratulations to him on the weekly honor from the UMAC conference. And uh, that was the week that was. Um, not a lot happening last week, but there's going to be a lot coming up. So, uh, Oh, there's a ton coming up. Yeah, so, Buckle uh, up. Yeah, buckle up for the last February segment. is going to be insane. Yeah, there's going to be a lot going on, especially with a couple teams. Yeah, two teams in particular, and we'll talk more about that in the last segment. But uh, yeah, that's what happened last week, and uh, hopefully, uh, uh, some more uh, good things happening here for the Yellow Jackets in the coming weeks here, because there's going to be a lot. To, there's going to be a lot to digest here coming up over the next few uh, weeks, heading uh, into February and in uh, early March too. So, speaking of track and field, we're going to take a break, and when we come back, we'll come into the roundtable segment. We will have head track and field coach. Glenn Drexler and senior Nicole Koski joining us for the roundtable this week. So it should be a good conversation about where the Yellow Jackets are at here in uh, 2022 as they are already nearing the end of the the finish line, if you will, of the uh, indoor track and field season. So we'll hear a little bit about that, talk a little bit about outdoor, all that and more when the Eye of the Swarm continues right after this. Can I borrow the sports page? Are we sure we're ready for this expansion? Of course we're ready for it. It's a great idea. Let's celebrate with a vacation. I'm thinking (laughs) Hawaii. We're ready for you. Is it okay if my friend comes with? Of course. Imagination's always welcome here. Bring us your best ideas. Let's see how we can help. National Bank of Commerce. Imagination's welcome. We're back on Eye of the Swarm, and it's our roundtable segment for the week, and we are joined by the, let's see, i got to do this the same way you do, head men's and women's cross-country coach, head men's and women's indoor track and field coach, head men's and women's outdoor track and field coach, Glenn Drexler, along with uh, senior cross-country slash indoor track and field slash outdoor track and field runner, Nicole Koski. <laughs> right I hope I got all that right. <laughs> yeah. 
that it. Was that, did I do that the right way? Or yeah, do I mean, you, or do as you, long as it's all listed. Or I do you say good. men's cross country, women's cross country? Sometimes, if depending on the on the crowd, uh, uh, the uh, audience, I'll, I'll make sure that I draw it out completely, yeah. Okay. Yeah. And you do that for effect? Yes, for everybody to go, absolutely. Whoa. Yep. So they do not forget. You never take a break. <laughs> That's right. They're the longest business card in the history of the world. It's like, like two ad. business cards. No, it's like yeah. four or five, but yeah. <laughs> <laughs> At any rate, we're glad to have you with us here this week. And, uh, you know, it's 20 below outside. So let's talk about track and field and, right and be grateful. You don't actually have to compete outside right now. <laughs> Absolutely. Emphasis yeah. on the right now. <laughs> Correct. Funny, Correct. Funny, though, because, you know, as we got Nicole sitting here, who's a distance runner, uh, they never stopped going outside, so... She just keeps going. So. Yeah, eventually it becomes a point where you either need to choose to battle the cold or battle a long run on the track. And normally the cold is the better option. <laughs> How so? Explain um, that. Because I would think that the, the track <laughs> and the, the indoor comforts would highly outweigh the well, minus 31 wind chill. When you're running eight miles and you need to count... Something I will never have to worry about. <laughs> Which, I mean, that's my long run, and the men usually go further than that. Um, when I'm running eight miles and I need to count every 200 meters in order to figure out when I can stop running, that's not the most enjoyable um, as to when I can just go and run a route that I know is eight miles long and I don't have to think about it. I don't have to think as much about how bad it is that I'm continuing to run in this circle over and over and over. <laughs> I suppose it is kind of six and one and half dozen of another when you have to make that choice. Mm-hmm. Because For I mean, a non-runner, yeah. Well, <laughs> like, for, I guess I, I can see the, the monony of counting yeah. laps is, is not the most enjoyable. Well, Definitely. But I would still think that would outweigh being... Having icicles forming there's, on your eyelashes and your nose hair as you're trying to run this. A temperature point okay. in which I decide, all right, we can finish this up on the track. But if it's, I don't know, 10 below and warmer, usually it's fine to Does go. Does that include outside. the wind chill or is that air temperature? It, it sort of depends. I mean, there's many runs where we come in with frozen eyelashes and at a certain point it just becomes fun you know who has the most frozen face it's just <laughs> it is it's kind of a yeah. it's, it's kind of a, a rite of passage is this one yeah. of these, is this a track and field thing it's a runner thing yeah okay. it's, it's, it's a runner, it's a runner thing. thing it's not a track and field thing it's a runner thing okay yeah um and yeah we take what we can get right here in superior we get a lot of cold so we sort of have to make the most this, of it. Recruits listen to this. <laughs> Recruits are listening. So the weather is it's fantastic. It's great. It's beautiful. We never are frozen when we run. <laughs> it is sunny. I mean, sunny, it's, it's sunny. beautifully yeah. sunny outside right in, now. And sunny every mm-hmm. day at our track practice. <laughs> <laughs> That's true. There's a lot of sun up here. It's just a, a company's cold air. I'm telling you. Seventy degrees is sunny know. every day at our track practice. <laughs> you walk into that building, you tell me it's not 70 degrees. Yep. That's true. Well, and I think in regards to the weather, the cat's kind of out of the bag. Yeah, of, I think there's. I, there's no I don't think that there's there. any like. Yeah, exactly. But well, uh, it, Zach said that to Don Layton last year on iFan during basketball because he was giving a weather report because he always likes to talk about what the weather's like on game day, and Zach went up to him and said, "You have to stop doing that because I'm recruiting somebody out of Arizona, <laughs> and right, this yeah. is a, this could affect things." <laughs> yeah. Well, I mean, that is honestly the great 
thing about our school is there is a chance of using not only the indoor track, but we have the treadmills and we have ellipticals and bikes. And right now we have a light speed, which helps with a whole bunch of other set of injuries and prevention things as well. So even though some of us choose the bitter cold, there's still the option for the indoor running when it is horrible. Out. Well, and that's <laughs> the difference between indoor and outdoor track is that in an outdoor track, you really do have to take into account what the weather is. Yeah. yeah. yeah I mean, yeah. that's that's a big part of preparation. You know, and there oh, are yeah. certain sports that are like that. Baseball, softball, yep. you know, outdoor track and field, cross country. I mean, those are sports where you – soccer, where you have to actually plan for the weather a little bit. You know, indoor, it's just like, okay, let's just run. Like, yeah. we have an event. Let's run as fast as we can run it, and then we'll see how we do. Absolutely, you know? for as sure. Long, as long and as we can get to the meet. We'll compete. <laughs> yep. That's Mike, a good slogan. Our, uh, I think that's... Just put track, that on a shirt, Glenn. Our, so God bless Jack and LCS coaches and everything, but uh, but our driver, Dave, I mean, he, he gives me a hard time because we put him through some some tough weather trips. Mm-hmm. And he, he, he has given me the distinction of being the one who makes us go to the worst weather to get to places because I know I'm competing regardless, so... And, you know, thanks, Dave. Appreciate it. I, I'm champion. glad you brought that up because when we had him for this last trip down to Minneapolis. Um, oh, yeah. He told me yeah, about he, that. Yeah, he was like, you know, who has the worst weather of everybody, and that includes hockey and everybody else I drive, Drexler and, and cross country and track. It's not even close. We don't give He said up. every time we ta- I take those guys somewhere, they end up having some kind of blizzard or something happening. Yeah. We love you, Dave. <laughs> <laughs> but he did. He specifically brought that up, so I'm glad that you brought it up too because I was like, oh, I'll have to talk to uh, Mr. Drexler about that. Mm-hmm. So. It's, I, apparently it is a thing then because it is a thing. Yeah, yeah. It's like it's the the Drexler weather, uh, like factor. I guess it's it's the. <laughs> it's that's how Dave kind of explains it. Does like that apply to vacations too? Because are you the guy who gets his flight delayed all the time and, and all that, that stuff. Well, that. it's the bittersweet thing about being on coach's team is if there's a meet <laughs> scheduled you know you're running the meet. So, like, there's the occasional, you know, like, sometimes we'll hope, like, oh, maybe the weather will be so bad that we just won't have to run or if you're really worried about a meet. But, no, on this team we know that Well, that, that brings we up a follow-up question I have to ask now because me and John have both had times where we've traveled with teams where we've had issues with the bus <laughs> in oh, terms yeah. of, like, getting to where we're trying to go or breaking down or anything. Have you had any of those interesting stories, you guys, on the road where you've had to do something special to try to get your bus moving? Or Oh, yeah, I mean, yeah, multiple times. I mean, you know, luckily some of the more interesting ones have been when we've returned mm-hmm. and we've gotten back. And so when we've gotten back from one, for instance, I know Dave kind of remembers this one pretty well, but we would. Uh, we got back. He said, "I, I can't even. I'm not even going to go in the parking lot if, if that's all right." I'm like, "No, dude, it's fine. You know, let's just keep you however you need to get going, so you can get back home." And uh, so we were parked out in Mortarelli Drive behind the gym. And once we were done, we got we got rid of all the weight, and so now there was no weight on the bus to to have him get traction, so he couldn't move. And so we literally had our throwers out there pushing the bus <laughs> to get him out of town, um, and and we did so couple pop tires we've had we've had pop tires we've had people get off on the freeway so we can get onto a different bus we've had mm-hmm. heaters go out in, in 40 below weather you had uh, a door fly open right door flies open <laughs> yeah we've got all kinds of stuff so yeah i've had to strap doors shut um just to help out i mean and again this this stuff happens you know you're trav- having a nightmare right now you, you, like, yeah i know, I, know I, I shouldn't i shouldn't talk like this because before <laughs> jack's gonna have a heart attack but uh but no, I mean, but you know, you, you travel long enough, you're going to experience these things, and that's that's what happens. So 
we had a trip. Uh, this is when uh, Eb was still coaching basketball, where we we were supposed to go to Oshkosh and Platteville. We had a two-hour delay because he couldn't get out of his driveway because he was trying to shovel himself out. So we literally <laughs> sat in the parking lot on the bus, like both teams, waiting for Eb to show up. And then we were so we were an extra two two and a half hours later than we thought we'd be. So instead of getting in at like you know eight o'clock nine o'clock, we get into getting at like midnight. <laughs> so like stuff like that happens. John, you had the mother of all returns the other like, couple of years ago when you guys came back from oh the Thanksgiving Pittsburgh. storm. <laughs> that was we couldn't even get to the rink. <laughs> so yeah, we all got off the bus on uh, at 28th and Catlin by the high school and walked to the arena. Didn't take any of the equipment or anything off the bus. Left it on there until Monday because they dropped us off the bus, went home, and we had to camp out in the rink for a little while until. Snow plows came through because the university forgot we were coming back. So they, did, they didn't plow the parking lot at Westman. And all of a sudden, you've got two and a half feet of snow up there. Mm-hmm. The funniest thing ever was, like, he sent me a picture, speaking of John, he sent me a picture of their vehicles. You can see John's truck pretty well. Rich's car was completely buried. All you saw was the antenna sticking Yeah, all the antenna the was just sticking. Like, there was this lump of snow, and then there was an antenna sticking up. And that was McKenna's car. Rich McKenna's car, so... I remember I talked to Rich about that afterward, and he was like, yeah, that was really something. Yeah. <laughs> Basically, was, it was kind of... Yes. There was a lot of snow on that trip. Yeah. A lot of snow. But you know, the funny thing about that one was you guys didn't really hit that until Rice Lake, right? Like, it didn't even hit you guys, because you guys were in the It rain. was in the last hour. Yeah. The last hour of the trip. Like, the entire trip on the snow. way back from Pittsburgh was fine up until they got to Rice Lake. And then once they got north of Rice Lake, like, it just, it just piled on. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That was a fun one. That was a fun one, but... At any rate, uh, enough with the meteorology and, and all of that <laughs> stuff. Let's let's talk about your season and the uh, the indoor season now, I guess, probably a little over halfway done. Over as, halfway you, done. you know, mm-hmm. conference championships coming up in a few weeks. So yep. yeah. how, uh, as a coach, where are you? How are you? How are you feeling about your teams? And, you know, what do you like? What don't you like? What do you have to fix prior to these conference championships? Uh, well, there's a lot of there's a lot there. There is a lot there, and there's there's so many variables. I mean, you've got the men, the women. We got you know different event groups within, and um, overall, I mean, the people that are still able to compete, you know, whether it's COVID related or other that are not are not able to compete, um, the people that are are doing exceptionally well. So, very happy with with when we're able to get out there and compete. We're, we're doing what we need to do. So that's that's pretty awesome, and. and you know, you know, Nicole, Nicole's no exception to that. She's she's running as well as she ever has, and it's it's fun to see. Um, the rewards of, of all her hard work are, are starting to pay off. Um, she's having the year of her life, and, and not a better time to do it. It was her senior year, yeah. <laughs> so uh, so just really excited for what she's been doing and, and our seniors and stuff like that. So um, so what what you know what is happening is good as far as on the track and performances go. So that's those are good things. Um, yeah, as far as the rest of it goes, I mean, just we're getting decimated a little bit by some, you know, injuries and COVID stuff and, you know, people just being exhausted with all that. So, uh, you know, if there's things I could fix, I, I'd fix them. But mainly we just keep rolling with the punches and do what we can with what we have, you know. So, um, yeah, I mean, you know, it's a tale of two teams as, as always. We've, you know, the, the men's side is, is, is strong and they're, they're going to do okay. Uh, the women's side is a little thin and, and we're going to have to... <laughs> dig deep and, and figure out what we're going to do. So, yeah. The really exciting part is that the athletes that are with us and have stuck it out because there is so many, you know, combination of injuries and COVID and whatnot, everything else, 
the athletes that are here and with us are athletes who really want to be here, which is a really nice thing because oftentimes, you know, you're, you'll get a couple athletes who are just there to say they're in a sport. Um, so having a team that you know you can look to your left and right and know that those girls are going to be there every meet and you're not going to have to worry about it. And the same with the guys as well. I mean, we're a very close-knit team for men and women. So just knowing that I won't have to worry if our throwers are going to show up, if our jumpers are going to throw. And y- you know, we don't have to worry about any of that because everyone is committed to be here and they're going to try their best to continue to help this team out, which is really nice. I imagine some of this too is probably a little sweeter for you because I feel like for about two years, every time I saw you, you had a walking <laughs> boot on yep. or you were limping around the building or something. Yeah. It has to be a little <laughs> bit sweeter because you are finally able to compete at full strength. Definitely. It's uh, running is really tough. A lot of people think well, of. Well, that's why it's every other <laughs> sports punishment. Right. Yeah. A lot of people just <laughs> think of running as just you put one foot in front of the other. And a lot of people think, like, oh, I don't like it. But there's uh, very few who actually understand what all goes into competing at a relatively high level and continuing to improve this late in life. I mean, as a freshman, it was. I could stay up doing homework until 2 a.m. and wake up for my 8 a.m. And I, and I was fine. Um, whereas now I really need to focus on my diet and my sleep schedule and everything like that in order to just perform and continue to improve at this higher level. Um, and it's it's been a lot of work. It's been a lot of tough work to figure out what my body needs in order to improve. And that's a lot of times it's really easy to just fall into the trap of run far and fast and then you'll get better, which to a certain extent sort of works. Um, But understanding, you know, when to increase your mileage, when to increase intensity, when you can increase both and things like that in order to have a successful season has been something that a lot of people struggle with. And I've, I've definitely been one. So coming into my senior year, that was definitely my top priority was it wasn't PRing, which fortunately I've been able to do. It was just being healthy, mm-hmm. <laughs> which I, I'm, I've been very excited about the fact that so far, knock on wood, I've been able to do that. Um, and again, it's just been about learning what my body needs and what I can do to get there. I imagine from a coaching standpoint, too, listening to something like that, it, it's it, you see it often, especially with the number of teams you coach and the size of those teams that you coach, where I guess coming in as a freshman from high school, it is run far, run fast. Mm-hmm. And to see that growth, that evolution into, well, it's more than running far and running fast. It's sleeping. Yeah. It's eating right. It's getting rested. Yeah, so... So what I, what I, and, and Nicole's had me, you know, we've had this conversation, she and I have, and we're starting to have it more often with, with a lot of our incoming runners, females especially, female athletes. Um, you know, it's, it's, it's a physiological thing. It's a, it's a mental thing. There's a lot to it, but coming in as a high school athlete or, or as we recruit them, at, you know, whether they're juniors or seniors or even maybe younger, th- it's, it's easier as a young girl to do things physiologically they're just different Mm -hmm. and so the times and and efforts they have when they're younger when their when their body is is yet to develop 
it's a little bit easier. I'm not I saying have to always. work a lot harder in order to be where I was. Yep. And, and so what we have in this conversation with some of these girls, and, and Nicole said this too, is that it, it, it doesn't mean it has to end when you start to change. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? It doesn't mean you have to stop being, doing the things that you love. But some people just realize it's so hard, and that's when they think, well, I can't do this anymore. I have to be done, which isn't necessarily the truth. We can find other ways to continue to move on and, and to continue to, to develop as, a, as an athlete, as a runner. It's just going to take some time to figure out how that works and who that person will be. Nicole has dedicated herself to being able to continue to do those things, which, which is an inspiration to all of us, ex- especially from the coaching staff, to see her do what she's doing. So thank you, Nicole. No, thank but you. now <laughs> it's trying to convince the rest of the girls that they too can be here. And we've seen it time and again. I mean, Mathea before her and, and a lot of girls before that have, dev- have worked really hard from the time they were you know, 16, 17, 18 years old to the time they were 20, 21, 22 mm-hmm. years old. It's two different people, two, you know, two different humans and, and how they react to, to training and how they react to the work that we put through them, they need to learn how to, how to deal with a lot of that. So, Nicole, you know, bringing up the idea of how, you know, sleep ha- patterns and, and fueling and all these other things, it's all key to it. When you, you know, I remember back when I was 16, 17 years old, I could do anything I wanted to, and it didn't affect me at all, and I could just keep going. But by the time I was a senior, even I, you know, I was feeling it too, going, I have to warm up an hour just to do what I needed to do. So it's, it's all there. It's physiological. It's Like I said, it's mental. There's, there's a lot of other pieces to it. But having the athletes recognize that and really believe that it's, that it's still possible is, is part of really our biggest challenge as coaching staff mm-hmm. is to keep them engaged in knowing that they can still improve. It's just not going to look or feel as easy as it used to. Do you feel as a senior that's kind of part of your role too? Especially I, with some of the younger runners seeing them come in where you were and going, whoa, 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 wait a second here, let's <laughs> pump the brakes now. Absolutely. I um, have just probably been an annoyance and I have just harped <laughs> on mostly the females, but some of the male athletes as well. I've really harped on them on how important it is to listen to your body. I, again, I was hurt a lot and that's because whenever I would feel an injury coming on I would get so upset and like worked up about the fact that I might lose my fitness that I would just try and push through and that most every time led to an injury um I've finally reached the point where I'm like no that's just not intelligent that's not a smart thing to do that's not going to get me where I need to be so as soon as that's the first thing I mentioned to the ladies who came in this season is if you are hurting let us know and we're probably just going to tell you not to run today you know we're going to choose a different option for you whether that be biking ellipticaling swimming there's going to be a different choice because if you're able to back off for a day or two slightly and then return back into that running that's going to be so much more beneficial than if you do what I did for so many years and just try and push through and then end up in a boot for two months. Um, So that has been a huge part of what I've been talking to the girls about is just really listening to your bodies and accepting that sometimes it's going to hurt and that's okay. Sometimes we're going to need to take some time off. And they've also helped me as well. They've held me accountable for instances that I haven't been feeling great. They'll just be like, hey, 
maybe you should go in elliptical today. And, and so that's been really helpful all around. Um, and the other thing that we've been working on is just mental toughness. Um, there's a difference between pushing through hurting while you run and pushing through an actual like injury pain, um, which a lot of times it's really easy when you're running to just say, I hurt and just maintain. But to a certain extent, when you're running a 5K on a track, you're going to hurt. <laughs> it's, it's just going to be painful. So at a certain point, you just need to continue to push yourself and just keep going and keep working for it, which I think is something that at least I noticed that I didn't necessarily do in high school, and that was the biggest change in college was accepting the fact that, no, this is going to hurt, so I just need to run fast. And it, it's, it'll still hurt, but I'll be done a little quicker, and I'll <laughs> feel better about it in the end. So, yeah, it's what we've been working on a lot is the mental toughness aspect and then just listening to bodies and ex being okay with the fact that sometimes we just need to take a little step back, and then we'll be able to work back up into it. That's a dramatic shift because if, if you think back to when we were college athletes, Glenn, you push through, you know, and yeah. there there wasn't nearly the attention paid to injury. I mean, maybe there was, you know, at Bemidji when you, as a track athlete as opposed to being a hockey player. No, we were just as dumb as hockey. <laughs> yeah, because it was, you know, yeah, I'm, I'm, oh, I'm listening to my body, mm -hmm. but I'm listening to the game more and I'm going to, you know, I'm, I can't move my left arm right now, but I'm still going to play. Right. I, we were the same way. It, I mean, it's definitely out. still really tough. It's so easy to recognize, you know, from a coaching perspective or as a teammate looking in and seeing my athletes. If, you know, suddenly I see one of them is like limping around the track, like, hey, let's this is OK. We can be done. And still, even though this has been one of my biggest focuses this season is try or this entire year is trying to recognize, you know, areas in which I can prevent injury it's still really tough for me to acknowledge and just say, you know, it's it, when I see the girls doing a workout on the track, stepping away from that is so hard. You know, as the really only senior who's run these events before, it, I feel oftentimes like I would be letting them down if I stepped off the track, when in reality, stepping off the track is the most educational thing I can do for them. And that's going to be the way that I can teach them how to improve throughout their entire time running. Um, so it's been a hard shift. But like I said, a lot of the times the girls will, will say to me and I'll say to them, like, let's step back if you're not feeling good. So it's, it's easier to recognize in other people than it is to recognize in yourself. So that's been something that we've been trying to help each other with. And luckily, thankfully, our coaches have all been super supportive in that. And they agree with us just yeah take your time and we're not really going to lose all that fitness in two days if we're going to elliptical for that time so it's it's really a, a nice thing that we have just the support all around to do that and take care of ourselves it's probably where that nice new fancy treadmill you have come comes into play too <laughs> yeah, yeah i mean yeah. i mean not to make a joke about it no but no it's it's it's, sure. it's it's been a great tool and, and just another tool in the describe toolbox, that right? if you can yeah so the light speed um has just been a great thing to add to our our toolbox um basically what it does is it 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 puts you uh, it's it tech it's described somewhat as a, as a zero gravity trainer but it's really it's a it 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 lifts you up and it, it, it allows you to be less than your, your current weight. 
which which allows you to run less less impact. You know, you're just pounding less. Um, you know, so there's percentages we can take off your body, which is huge. And so by still being able to run and still being able to have some of the impact that we need, you're going to continue to have that fitness level without having the, the pain. You know, so if you got shin splints or knee issues or hip issues or whatever it might be, we're able to still continue to do things. Um, and so we're, we're still kind of working on the ratios of how well or where, where things need to be for, for different injuries and different areas of those injuries. Um, but so far, you know, some of the examples we've used have worked really well that we've got them back on the track faster than I would have had without this, this, this light speed. Yeah. So it's, it's been a great tool. My, my next job right now is to convince the majority of our runners that this is a piece that actually should be incorporated on, on a weekly basis, not just when you're hurt, but when we, you know, within our runs on a regular week, um, to, to lessen some of those, those impacts, but you're still getting your mileage. In mm-hmm. fact, it kind of makes it kind of fun because, you know, it's running on treadmills is never fun. I should, <laughs> I should, I should preface that. But, but when you get onto that light speed, uh, it allows you to do things you didn't think were, were possible, honestly. We're running at a higher rate of speed. Our VO2 max is going through the roof. Um, just things are, are really doing good, you know, good things for us without, it, without any kind of pain or any kind of issues. So it's, it's a pretty awesome tool. Um, I can only wish I had a line of five, six of them lined up next to each other so that, <laughs> yeah. you know, the team could run together. Um, but yeah, they're, they're awesome. You know, you know, the team track down USA, Oregon, Oregon ducks, they, they've got a room full of them. And, and so that's what they, you know, they're using. And so the fact that we're kind of using what the big dogs are using is kind of fun. So we've definitely had, I mean, I've used it and we've had a multitude of athletes some of which are very consistent and they love it and they just keep going back to it. And some of it is for that injury prevention, but the other part is um, they get to run fast and they don't have to worry about the injury aspect of things. So there's, there's been everyone I've talked to who's used it has really said like, it's does a great job of what it's meant for. of taking that weight off. Um, but still allowing you to not only feel like you've done the workout, but still run. Because that's something that normally if you're hurting, you don't usually get to do. You know, you right. don't get to continue to run. It's either swimming or ellipticaling or biking. And so it's a great option that we have. Yeah. Two years too late for you. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but I still have it this year. I've already yeah. used it. It's been nice and it, yeah, it's a great option, and I'm glad that we were able to secure that. Yeah, sounds like a game changer to me in terms of like training. Um, one of the things I've learned through all these years, and I'm hardly, hardly, what I would call even a novice when it comes to understanding everything that goes into long distance running. But through covering marathons and watching you and talking with Glenn several times, and Tyler Finger, when we had him on, talked about the kind of the the pain management like aspect of running because mm-hmm. he came right out and said kind of the same way that you said it when you're running on an indoor track it's going to hurt yeah <laughs> you know and it's that understanding the differences in between having an injury and then just having um you know just like regular muscle pain mm-hmm. that you get from you know exerting yourself and pushing yourself hard and all that kind of stuff and so it sounds like you know having one of those things would really be it's one of those things where you it really does change it because you can still, like you said, you can still get the motion, you can still get the feel of running, 
but like you said, that impact on your on your joints is not there, and you don't have to worry about necessarily your feet and your knees as much. You can still just kind of go out there, put in the time, maybe even run your full speed, and not have that impact. So that's cool. I mean, that sounds yeah. like a complete game changer, really, when it comes to training. And yeah, it, it will test the limits of what it's capable of within our our athletes. Mm-hmm. I mean, we, you know. Bud and, and uh, the crew over at uh, Lightspeed—they've been very good with following up and checking in on us. But um, I think even they don't know the the full capacity of what this thing can do for for people. Because um, I told them, because well, he, he, they they said to us, they said, you know, do do whatever you think you can, you know, push the limits of what's possible, you know, which I will absolutely do. That's <laughs> you know, kind of my goal now is to see what we can do with this thing. Um, I I have aspirations to do some sprint stuff and some jump stuff. Um, it all comes back to whether the treadmill itself can can hold up to what we're asking it to do. Um, the 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 frame itself of of the light speed, you know, that's that's built to to do what we want it to do. Now it's just a matter of finding a treadmill that can run as fast as we want or have enough space to do what we want to do. But yeah, I mean, there's there's going to be some real opportunities uh, between me determining what those limitations are and getting buy-in from from most of the athletes to get on it those would be my two challenges mm-hmm. well, let's talk a little bit about we really haven't talked much about the season <laughs> you know i mean we talked weather we talked training and and all of that let's well this all goes into it though yeah it? yeah I mean, so let's yeah. let's let's touch briefly on on the indoor season because like we said at the very very beginning we're a couple weeks away from from conference championships which you will be hosting and uh who are some of the uh, the, the notes come out. <laughs> so who are who are some of our, our student-athletes that we need to keep an eye on as we roll into that conference championship in a few weeks? Yeah. Well, you know, Besides on the women's Nicole side. Koski. Well, on the women's <laughs> side, obviously, obviously Nicole here. I mean, she, she's going to be doing a lot with uh, with the distance side. Um, you know, Kasha Hewlett is, is going to be a, a real power in the weight, in the mm-hmm. shot put and the weight throw. So the throws from that end, um, you know, she's going to kind of anchor things there. But we got a good bunch of freshman throwers in that group too that are really going to do some some good things um but yeah within that you know we, we're trying to fill in some holes everywhere else we've got a really good group of freshmen who are with us between distance and sprints and hurdles and jumps um we're just really thin and that's that's where the the danger is um so we'll we'll have to make some decisions on how far we or how thin we spread ourselves on the women's side for the conference championship you know it's a debate that we've had every year since joining the umac and we just, you know, and again, that that's on me. I keep telling the girls this. It's on me to, to 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 help build that roster up, and and every time we think we have it kind of pegged, it, it kind of dissolves. And I'm not sure what that answer is just yet. I I, I believe still it has a lot to do with this whole COVID, mm-hmm. you know, exhaustion. But but uh, but we're gonna figure it out, and we're gonna get some some bodies in here to to, to turn that corner. Uh, on the guy side, <coughs> obviously, you know. We, we just got a really strong bunch of guys overall between distance, mm-hmm. sprints, jumps, throws. Um, they're just, they're going to be strong and they're going to be powerful. Uh, the distance crew is right now, if we look at the, the honor roll, I mean, they're just kind of dominating the thing top to bottom kind of thing. Yeah. So it's kind of nice with that. that you kind of trust, trust your distance runners are going to kind of carry things as they usually do. You know, our throwers as, as well, they, they typically are a strong point for us. And they'll continue to do those things for us as well. Um, you know, Gage Stankowitz with the, as a freshman is kind of lighting things up a little bit. And you know, our goal is to get him, you know, to start flirting with national qualifying marks, and and he's starting to get there. So I'm going to hope to see him uh, move along with that direction. 
you know, sprinters, jumpers, uh, they've got some good sp- spots too. You know, Ethan uh, uh, Westermeyer is uh, climbing up on, on a lot of the different event groups, so 60, 200, um, you know, and then Steven Pearson with, with some jumps and we're doing well. So we've got some good depth there. Uh, I just wish I could find the same thing on the <laughs> women's side. So, But we're we're doing all right. Like I said, we just got to stay healthy and stay stay um, eligible within the sense of COVID, I mean, without getting mm-hmm. shut down. And I, I, I understand it because I've been around you long enough now, but I don't think a lot of listeners would. The strategy that goes into setting up who competes in what events, uh, like what time events are going to go off. If somebody is running this particular event, you're not going to use them in a relay. There's a lot of strategy that goes into setting things up, especially when you get to the conference championship, right? Yeah. Yeah, it, it is. And it's, it's, it's never easy as, as, it's never as easy as looking at the, at the honor roll. I mean, <laughs> the honor roll kind of puts, so the honor roll is, is a, is a list that the, uh, basically the NCAA requires us all to be a part of every event that you ever run or compete in is, is listed in this list. Well, per season, you know, so right now for our current indoor season, everything's listed. And so our top seven 3K guys own the own that event. We could literally score every point right now. You know, would that happen? Probably not. But as it, as it currently stands on the honor roll, that's how it would look. Well, now I have to determine whether all seven of those runners are going to be running that event or if we're going to kind of put them into other events or what. Um, that's part of the the fun of my little secret games <laughs> that I play that I don't tell too many people about. So you won't hear <laughs> any more about it from here, <laughs> but, but, uh, but no, it's, it's, it is, it is a, a little a problem. I mean, at times we, I sit and probably after this weekend, I'll start to do my math of, of planning, you know, of, of kind of seeing where people are at within the conference and how we're going to match up against different teams. Um, you know, Morris has some strong, you know, they're, they're going to be tough in the throws. They're going to be tough in some other events. Um, but ultimately, they're going to have some holes that we're going to try to exploit. Same with North, Northwestern, you know, on the guy said that, you know, they're going to have some tough sprints that we just can't match. But at the same time, we're going to have some depth other places that they don't. But when I talk about those things, and, and i got to throw in Bethany Lutheran as well, I mean, all these, all these teams have some spots that are going to, they're going to hurt us. And while we have depth in certain things, those death by a thousand cuts start to happen. And, and all of a sudden teams start catching up. And so that's where we got to kind of figure out how to do it without being too exposed. Right. And, and so it's, uh, it's a challenge. It's, it's not as simple. And, and really the toughest part, and this is the part I think you kind of get to, or we're getting to is that once we set that roster for the conference meet. So if, if our entries are due on a, on a Wednesday at 10 PM, once I submit them, I can't change things. So like in the middle of a hockey game, if I want to switch up the lines or a basketball game, I want to put in, you know, substitute a defensive player. I can't do that. All I've got is I put my roster down on Wednesday, Friday, Saturday, that's who's running, whether I like it or not. And if I see that Morris has, has swapped something out that I didn't expect, uh, we are in trouble. Okay. So I, I, I try to plan for <laughs> every possible scenario you know, that, well, worst case scenario, this is what they do. Worst case scenario, this is what they do. And we try to match match for every one of those possible scenarios, which is miserable, but that's what we do. <laughs> that's a whole over-analysis thing, boy. Yeah, it's... It yeah. can be. Yeah, it, yeah, for sure. It's guessing. Yeah. You know, so, yeah. Ha- has it been better this year 
with because last year was goofy when one weekend it's the men, the next weekend it's the women. The guys are at one venue, the gals are at another venue. Has it been better this year having the whole team together? Um, it seems so empty last year. Right. It def there was definitely uh, a sense of vacancy last year. Um, however, on the flip side of things. Uh, running every other weekend is a lot different than competing every weekend in track. Um, it can sometimes get just really draining trying to compete every weekend, which is something that we see a lot in our athletes. You know, oftentimes that junior year really catches up to people and they think, do I want to do this anymore? Right. Um, but having the whole team is definitely a lot more motivational. And when I saw last year the lack of really energy in all of re-reminded me how great it is to have the entire team. Um, but so for those individuals that didn't necessarily have that experience, I think it is still really tough for them to have those meets every weekend. I mean, even in cross country, it was every other. Mm -hmm. So it is a big change. It's a big adjustment. But being able to know that when I go around the track, I'm going to have people probably on just about every corner cheer for me when I go around is really refreshing from having just thinking, hopefully, oh, hopefully the sprinters remember I'm running right now because there's a total of three sprinter girls. Or, you know, <laughs> we it was it was tough last year. There was really small numbers. It was, I mean, again, very committed individuals, but it was really just only working with the couple females that were there. And we were also supportive of each other, but a lot of times you're busy with your own event. When throws are happening, runs are also happening. So when there's only the females there... There wasn't much cheering right, <laughs> going on. Right, um, yeah. And plus then the lack of fans as well at those meets, it was really empty. So having the energy back this year has been so helpful. It's been such a big turnaround in mm -hmm. just like the feeling of track meets again, right. which is really nice. <laughs> yeah, I can imagine. One more thing I want to touch on, and then we'll, we'll let everybody go because I know you have practice time coming up here and everything. Um, there hasn't been that official announcement made yet, but it has been made public that the new facility is going to be built here on campus. And, you know, the, the one that's getting all the noise made about it is the soccer field. But surrounding that field <laughs> is finally going to be that, that outdoor track complex that you've been pining for. What is that facility going to mean for you? Yeah, I mean, it's going to be huge. I, I'm, I'm I've, you know, I've got a lot of of thoughts and ideas of, of how this could help us all. But I mean, just having a facility next to our indoor facility and, and having it kind of be in a, a, a how, how you'd expect a, a big time track and field program to be, uh, you know, we're going to finally start to step towards that, that goal, you know, to be, have our indoor next door, outdoor, and, and basically be able to walk outside and do a warm up inside if it's too, you know, if it's cold and rainy out, but we need to get a long, you know, a long track workout in. Um, warm up inside, go outside, get your workout done, come back in, you know, be good. Um, com competition, same type of thing. If it's, if it's rainy and, and potentially blustery or whatever it might be, um, to be able to have, you know, t 
team warm-ups inside and then be able to compete outside and, and get, get things done out there on the on track when, when that's what the, the season calls for. Um, it's pretty exciting, you know. So, I'm, you know, for me, too, in a recruiting sense, I mean, you know, lacrosse has this unbelievable facility down in lacrosse, and they have the state meet there, and they, they, they kind of set the bar as far as how that goes. Well, every kid from Wisconsin walks onto that track and like, this is where I want to go. Mm-hmm. And it's an easy sell. So they don't have to do a lot of recruiting from that sense. They just kind of let people show up to them. Well, with that being said, I mean, we can do those many opportunities of, of sectional meets and regional meets and things like that, which I fully intend on doing, even from the sense of bringing over some Minnesota sectionals and, and regionals and stuff like that, because... The precedence has been there. They've been playing, you know, baseball games over here in Superior High School fields and softball games, and and so the the idea of moving a high school Minnesota regional or sectional over here is very simple for me. Now I just got to convince those sections to do so, which which I think that there's going to be a conversation for it um, to be able to have some finals here. So, but the more kids we can get out here uh, engaged and, and on our facility that we you know we believe is going to be just a really fantastic facility, probably one of the better ones in the in the uh, you know northern area of Wisconsin, Minnesota, um, we think it's going to be a good draw. And, and to know that they're going to have, like I said, that dual indoor-outdoor facility to be able to pull from, um, it's, it's going to be an eye-opener for a lot of kids. I mean, my, my intentions is to have this thing. In, and, again, UMD's facility, it's a great facility. I really like competing there. I think it's a great facility. Um, but we're going to try to be better them in every way, and, and why not, right? I mean, that's, it shouldn't be... You know, it should be our goal to be as, as good at or as better as, you know, is what we've we've seen around us. So um, we want to try to try to knock it out of the park with this one. And so it's just a matter of making sure that we can cover all the bases with the budget we're given. That's what we're going to do. Glenn Drexler, head men's and women's cross country, head <laughs> men's and women's indoor track and field, head men's and women's outdoor track and field coach, <laughs> senior Nicole Koski, stay out of the boot. I'm trying. Yeah, stay out of that boot. <laughs> can we'll I, can I add on one, one, more, one more thing? Yes. I, I don't know when this will happen, so I, but I want to talk about it a little bit. Okay, and, and, let's do it. Well, <laughs> we've got we, next weekend, we've, we've got our home meet, okay? Mm-hmm. So we've got our home meet, which, which has historically been our alumni meet, too. So we're, we're encouraging all of our alum to come back and, and get engaged and, and be a part of that. But ultimately, we're excited. And, I, and I, can, I, can I announce this, too? Yes, go ahead. Okay. Uh, you know, we, it's been historically called the Yellow Jacket Open, and, and we've been really excited about that, and it's been a great meet. Um, but due to, due to our loss of our, of our good friend and, and our coach, Sam Madej, uh, we're going we're gonna to rename it after, after him. So we're going to call it the Madej Classic which is pretty exciting for me. Uh, <laughs> uh, sorry. So, I mean, just to be able to honor him and, and, and to, uh, to have something named after him will be pretty special. Um, I know his, his family is pretty excited about the opportunity. I know our alum are, are exceptionally, you know, they're really excited about this. Um, so um, it's something we're, we're looking forward to. I think everybody is, you yeah. know, because he was just such a likable human being. Yeah. He was the perfect coach combination of really high expectations and he pushed all of his athletes I mean very hard Mm -hmm. but also was able to be your best friend when you needed it Um, he was so incredible with dealing with a lot of times it's really tricky to sort of balance male and female athletes. A lot of times we have very different approaches mm-hmm. to our events. And he was incredible at uh, being able to figure out what everyone needed, why they were here, what they were doing. And, I mean, he was 
fantastic. So this is, yeah, really exciting to be able to honor him like that. Pretty, pretty cool if coming from a distance runner talking about a coach. I mean, <laughs> right. That's, that's right. the kind of yeah. effect he had on us. So, yeah. Uh, yeah, pretty special human being. No, that's awesome that, that that's being named in his honor. I, mm-hmm. I think everybody from your current athletes, obviously, to alumni, to just people on campus who yeah. interacted with him, right. you know, are, are going to be thrilled to see that when it, yeah. when it comes out yeah. early next week. Yeah. I'm glad you brought that up. I, Thanks. Mm-hmm. Yeah, absolutely. No, because I know you have practice here. So, Glenn Drexler, Nicole Kosky, thanks for stopping by. Thank you. Thank you very much. We'll take a break. We'll be back with more of I the Swarm right after this. Orkers Island Inn is now hiring, and there's a position just for you. Apply for front desk, housekeeper, bartender, server, cook, and dishwasher. We're hiring great people like you. Call or click for more information and apply today. We're back for our final segment of Eye of the Swarm, and uh, that conversation went in a direction I wasn't expecting it to go. I didn't expect it to get more into health and fitness as it did, because a big chunk of that, you're talking more about how athletes should be preparing and taking care of themselves. Well, yeah, and that's something that we really haven't tackled a whole lot on the podcast, I don't think. I mean, we've talked a little bit about preparation, but not a lot. Um, And I feel like with runners especially, it's it's very important because they do put their buys through so much, Um, especially the distance runners. I mean, we had this conversation, and I alluded to it, of course, in our conversation we just had with with, uh, Coach Drexler and Nicole Kosky, but distance runners especially, they put their buys through a ton. So there's always a certain level of pain that goes along with that difference between pain and injury. You know what I mean? Like being sore and being injured and trying to figure all that out. And I think it's, it's kind of a commitment kind of to being centered mentally. And it's that discipline of understanding the difference between being hurt and being injured or, or, or you know, being sore and being injured. And the same goes, you know, in that same discipline applies to other things as well in terms of being able to know what your nutrition needs need to be, how much rest you need to get, um, you know, what you need to do in preparation and what you need to do maybe even post-race in order to keep yourself as healthy as possible. It's, it really is kind of enlightening because it's a very different discipline than you and I, for instance, in our athletic careers had to had to deal with. It's just a different it's a different application. Mm-hmm. Same concepts at a, at a really base level. Right. But the execution of it is very different. So it, it, well, it's always interesting to hear, uh, you know, both Coach Drexler and one of his athletes are – you know, whether it was Tyler last time or Nicole this time, talking about how important that is. Right. You know, to keep yourself kind of focused mentally and kind of, you know, because in our sports, it was just like cut it loose. Yep. You know, you know, there were times where you relaxed a little bit and then there were times it was just like, okay, we're going, now we're going to go full throttle. Right. For them, it really is just a discipline all the time because mm-hmm. they do the same thing over and over and over again. And then they just really have to keep the intensity the same. You know, there's no lapse in energy. There's no, you know, increase of energy. Sometimes you might feel a little bit better. But for them, it really is a consistent thing because they run the same events all the time, you know, and, and distance running especially. It, it really is a matter of pacing yourself and being able to keep yourself kind of centered. So that was interesting. I thought it's that kind of like a- hosting a podcast. <laughs> well, <laughs> I don't know if I go that far. No, absolutely <laughs> yeah, not. Wow. Absolutely that, not. Talk about going in a direction I wasn't uh. expecting. <laughs> Holy smokes. At any rate, what's on the agenda for this week? There's what a lot. We got? Yes. There's a lot. So uh, we'll go right into it. Uh, women's basketball this Friday and Saturday. They're at Martin Luther and Bethany Luther, respectively. 
Women playing at 5.30 p.m. at Martin Luther on Friday and then at Bethany Lutheran at 3 p.m. on Saturday. And they're coming up to the very end of the season now. They've got, I think, seven or eight games left now uh, before the uh, Upper Midwest Athletic Conference Tournament. Um, everybody makes it this year. Yeah, they adjusted that due yep. to COVID. So yep. everybody's so going to get all in. all eight teams. So now they're playing for seeding purposes and finding out who they're going to play and all that kind of stuff. But that's what's up as far as priorities for them. Same thing with the men, same schedule, just different start times. Uh, Friday, February 4th at Martin Luther, that'll be a 7.15 opening tip down in New Ulm. And then the next day, Saturday, February 5th at Bethany Lutheran, 4.45, the opening tip there. And same story. Both of those teams fighting for that. They're in that 4-5 spot right yeah. now. Top and right four, now it's really jumbled. Top four will are obviously the, who will host in the first round of the tournament, so... Both of them are, are right in that. They're in that dogfight yeah. for that, and the, that final home spot. The conference standings, especially on the men's side, are really jumbled right mm-hmm. now. So there's a lot going on. Northwestern has kind of ran away with things on the men's side. and kind of. I keep, think they're 8-0 the, no in conference yeah, play, they're so no, one, no one's catching them. But everybody else is within a game of each other. So it's going to be for a really interesting last couple of weeks here yeah, of the regular season to see where the seedings end up you know, falling before the UMAC conference tournament. Women's hockey, okay, so <laughs> – this is going to be like, okay, so there, there's only four games, only four games, between now and <laughs> next week. Um, but, yeah, they have a crazy schedule that I think, what did we figure out? It was 10 games in 19 days. 11 games in 19 days okay, between yeah. February 1st and February 19th. They're scheduled for 11 games right now. Right. So it starts out Friday, February 4th. They will be at home. So we're recording this on a Thursday. So tomorrow, from our perspective, they'll be hosting UW River Falls at 3 p.m. at Westman Arena. That is a rescheduled game. All these games Correct. are actually rescheduled um, from uh, postponements during that 18-day that window where they had 11 games either postponed or, or canceled outright mm-hmm. due to COVID-19. So all of these games are makeups for that. So that's where all this jumbled scheduling comes from. Uh, so it starts out tomorrow against River Falls for Coach Laughlin and the Yellow Jackets at 3 p.m. Then on Saturday, they're at River Falls for game two of that set. That'll be a 7 p.m opening face-off from Hunt Arena down in River Falls. Then on Monday, they play at Hamlin, so that's February 7th. That'll be a 3.30 p.m. opening face-off. And I think that's that Tria Rink, is that where? Correct. Yeah, Tria Rink. Beautiful down in St. Paul. Yeah, really, really nice. And then on Wednesday, February 9th, they're at UW-Eau Claire at Hobbs Ice Arena down in Eau Claire. That'll be a 7 p.m. opening face-off. So that's four games in the next seven days by my count. And um, that just gets That's on Wednesday. Okay, then, yeah. they're, then they're off Thursday, right. and then they're scheduled to play Friday, Saturday, Sunday. Right, yeah. So we didn't even get to that back end of that because <laughs> I mean, we try to keep our scheduling to a week out. That's why it's only four games that we have, but they right, have seven games in about a 10-day stretch. It's so here. fluid. Yeah, it's exactly. so fluid so, right now. So. so that's what's up for women's hockey. They're the busiest team by far, everyone. Yep. So, yep. yeah, keep an eye on that. If you want more information on the schedule coming up, go to uwsyelljackets.com, go to the women's hockey page because – it is really kind of a, a, a jumble right now on that side of thing. Men's hockey going to be pl- plenty busy as well. Uh, this week, Friday, February 4th, so tomorrow, again, as we record this on a Thursday, at UW-River Falls, that will be 7 p.m., opening face-off. My buddy sitting to my left right now, John Garver, my uh, podcast host, co-host, 6.30 pregame on 91.3 FM, so they'll take on the Falcons, and they'll return home on Saturday, February 5th, to take on River Falls again. 7 p.m. again, the opening face-off, this time from Westman Arena, 6.30 p- pregame on uh, 91.3. And then on Wednesday, they make another day trip to take on Stevens Point. That's another makeup day. That'll be a 7 p.m. opening face-off and, again, a 6.30 pregame. So three games for the men coming up here in the next week. That's a lot. 
Yes. Um, you know, that's a busy week. So seven total hockey games for the men and women over the next week. So that's plenty. That is. It's a lot of hockey. That's a lot of hockey. It's a lot of hockey. And a lot of road time for you, by the way. It's a lot of hockey. It's a lot of road time. And, I mean, the, the, the games are so huge right now. Because you talk about jumbled standings in men's basketball. Look at the men's hockey standings. Right I now, imagine, you, yeah. you have five teams separated by four points. Yeah, so there's going to be a lot to be decided and here. Just like it is every year in the WIAC, it's going to come down to the final Saturday right, to determine yeah. what the playoff seating is going to look like. Right. And nobody knows how they're going to do it. Right. Yeah, because yeah. I, I think you're going to have a, a different number of games played, so points are going to be out the window. They're not going to – I don't think the points are going to matter. Okay. Um, even though points are still big. But I don't think points are going to be the the be all end all on how they're going to seed this for the playoffs. Okay. Um, I don't know if it's going to be winning percentage in the conference, winning well, because some of these overall, teams are not going to get all those games. Point in, right? percentage. Well, I, I I think at the end of the day, because the the men's side didn't get hit as hard as the women's side did. Right. But I, I think at the end of the day, you're going to have every team in the conference will have either 24 or 25 games played. Okay. Um. But what you have is games. Like the game last night at Stevens Point, like the game next Wednesday at Stevens Point, like the women's games against Eau Claire and River Falls, they're all non-conference games now. Yeah, because of the WIAC rule that it goes in the books as no. If it's a COVID game, if it's right. canceled because of COVID, goes in the books as a no contest. You can still make up the game, but there's it doesn't count in the standings. There's no point value attached to it. Okay, but it still works for your your pairwise ranking, which is all what right. the NCAA uses when they make their selections. Um, and it's brought up a lot of confusion around the WIAC on both sides because they're going, well, if we can play the game, why doesn't it count? Right. It, and I can understand that I, argument as well. And I think yeah. I could be wrong because I'm not a part of the WIAC meetings, but what I'm getting from my colleagues around the league is they kind of put that policy in place for basketball okay, and decided it was one-size-fits-all. Well, one size doesn't fit all. That's pretty typical. That's usually how these you yeah. know, conferences and the NCAA. For it's that. how the NCAA yeah, works exactly. Yeah. You know, because what's good for Division One basketball is good for everybody. Yeah, so everybody does. Regardless the same thing. of sport, it's yeah. good for everybody at every level, and that's kind of what the WIAC did here. I think is they they looked at it as one size fits all. But I also know they're having conversations um, this week and next to determine how they're going to figure out what the playoff seedings are going to look like. So right. right now, I mean, it's it's a bingo hopper. It's spinning right. around. Every school has a ball in there, and who knows how it's going to yeah, come out. Yeah, who all knows how this is going to play out. Correct. So. Yeah, keep an eye on all that. Again, for more information on all this, you can go to uwsjelljackets.com to figure out how things are playing out. Yep. But, uh, yeah, there's going to be a lot of a lot of things decided here in the next couple of weeks because there's a lot of games and uh, coming up here. So should be a fun time. Last but not least, uh, men's and women's indoor track and field. They're uh, on the road this week, Saturday, February 5th. Both teams at the UW River Falls Winter Classic, hosted by River Falls at Robert P. Knowles Fieldhouse in River Falls, Wisconsin. 11 a.m. action will get underway. And uh, you heard, of course, uh, head coach uh, Glenn Drexler and uh, senior Nicole Koski in our uh, roundtable segment, previous segment here uh, on Eye of the Swarm. And uh, they'll be back home, I think, in a couple weeks, right? Like they're going to be hosting the uh, – On February 12th. Yeah, on February 12th. So the following week they'll be back home. But uh, for this week, they're on the road. All teams basically are spending a lot of time on the road this week. So there will be a lot of road contests coming up here. A uh, couple of home games in there as well. Women on Friday for uh, hockey and then the men on Saturday. But 
other than that, everybody's hitting the road. Oh, and you, you got so. tripped up again. The same team that trips you every year. Oh, tennis. Tennis. Yeah. Tennis starts this weekend. Do they? Yes. Okay. Men See, and women. Is, are... It always gets me because it's like, it, it just seems so counterintuitive. Yep. They're on the road uh, Saturday. I believe Saturday the 5th. Yeah, Saturday the 5th okay. at, at McAllister. Oh, so okay. They're, they're when are the men start? Are they starting? Men and women both on McAllister. Oh, they're both at, at McAllister. McAllister. Okay. Yep. So they're they're both playing on, on Saturday. What time are those? I don't know. Okay. Off the top of my head, I can't remember. Okay. But uh, I Probably afternoon, I'd be my guess. I would yeah. imagine they're probably. Yeah. You know, you know what I need a, to do? I need to get like an alert on my phone. Start. Like, tennis is starting, tennis is starting. Tennis is starting. <laughs> that's, what, that's what I need to do. I apologize so to head coach. you got tennis starting this weekend. and. But they're on the road as well. So they're on the road. And then officially, baseball and softball start practice this week, too. So. Like so, did softball start on Sunday? Mm-hmm. Yeah, I know that they started their preseason. I'm assuming that uh, baseball did as well. Yep. So, so they're they're in their s- actual seasons now, and, yep. and they will know, spend a lot of time on the road. You're talking about spend being a on lot the road. of time on the road, especially yeah. the softball team. You look at that schedule. I told Coach Fracker <laughs> in the hallway the other day. I said your your schedule's awful because <laughs> they have they have a total of four home dates, right? Which is they're all doubleheaders, so that's eight home games, and they all fall in like ten days. All right. Yeah. So they crammed their entire home schedule into one little tiny window. And it makes uh, your, yours, yours and my job a little bit uh, more um, intense then because we got to try to figure out how we're going to get some of those games on the air. So. Correct. You know, you got to figure out how to get them on the air, but it just it doesn't leave a lot of wiggle room no, in right? case of weather either. Yeah, so. that's, a, that's also the thing. And they're going to have a good squad this year, I think. So. I think so too. Yeah. Yep. I so. think so too. Defending conference champions, yep. you know, trip to the NCAA tournament and. Yep. And in the frack attacks first year, so yep. you know, looking yep. forward to a year number two. Yep, exactly. So, and then the of course the debut of TJ Oaks as head coach of uh, baseball. So, yeah, absolutely. A lot of fun stuff happening in the next couple of weeks. Again, for all of this information, I know I keep repeating myself. Go to uwsjackets.com. Check out each team, their schedules, and uh, yeah, it's gonna make a, for a, an interesting transition going from winter into spring. Absolutely. So, absolutely, it's gonna be a busy week, but uh, fun time. It's a it's a hard time because all these teams are competing, but it's a fun time too because yeah. all these teams are competing. Exactly. Yeah. There's a lot going on. So, a lot going on, and. Uh, we're gonna we're gonna vow to be back next week to uh, report on all of it. We we hope we have we all, hope our hiatus all is that over. stuff is in the rearview mirror now, yeah. and we hope that we can start to, you know, to to be able to do this every single week for you. And that's the uh, that's the plan going forward. But Elliot Sweary, my engineer here in the studio, and the big sound Matt Johnson, my co-host. I am John Garver, and we thank you for listening to this week's Eye of the Swarm.